spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. I totally forgot it was on last night. Didn't even watch it. Uh, had already, uh, you know, di- did some work for my sports report that I, uh, you know, do for Pam in the mm-hmm. morning and everything like that. And then I had to go back and rewrite things because I forgot the college football playoff yeah. committee was voting again last night, and they kept the Buckeyes at number one. It's all over social media. That's the only way I knew about it. I was like you, not paying much attention to it, but it was still election night, and I had things to do, people to see. Well. Now, those voters elected the Buckeyes for the second straight week as the number one team in the country, and those Buckeyes will be at home Saturday night on NBC. 7.30 is kickoff. Why? We don't know. Uh, But to talk about that matchup, their number one ranking, and that team up north, let's go to the hotline right now and bring in the outstanding Buckeyes beat reporter at Bucknuts.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Steve Hellwagon. He is Steve Hellwagon. Steve, since you're a beat reporter, I'm guessing you were watching that uh, when the announcement came out. So were you surprised or not surprised that they stayed at number one? You know, my feeling going into the announcement last night was the committee, however many people are on it, 12, 13 people. I know one of the members wasn't there for some reason last night, which we can get into that in a a minute or two. But uh, at any rate, I figured they'd be split down the middle. Some would think that Georgia's win over Missouri, a top 15 team, uh, could have been enough to move them over Ohio State. But then uh, certainly the committee made the point last week that Ohio State beating Notre Dame and Penn State were the things that separated them. And even though Notre Dame uh, lost the game uh, this past week to Clemson, their third loss of the year, uh, it didn't dim Ohio State's resume too much in the eyes of the committee. They're still number one. This week, but we'll see how that changes. I mean, Georgia still has some tough games out there. I think they still have to play Tennessee here down the stretch. And uh, certainly Michigan, uh, who was number three in the rankings, plays Penn State this week. And uh, we'll see, you know, how things get shaken up. The Buckeyes playing a three and six Michigan State team this week. Won't get much of a bump out of that. But, again, it's it's how good do you play, how well do you play as compared to – who you're playing as well. Steve, speaking about how well they play, it seems as though the offensive line is playing a lot better, or is it just because simply Travion Henderson is back? Well, I think having a healthy Henderson definitely makes a big difference. I mean, he hits the hole really hard, and he looks like he's playing in week one or two, and the rest of the team and the opponents are all in week ten, you know, beaten up from all the injuries and everything. Mm. He's like a fresh, fresh leg guy that you've stuck in there at midseason, and he's taken full advantage of it so far. A couple 100-yard games uh, so far for him on the road at Wisconsin and uh, at Rutgers. So uh, whatever he's doing, just keep doing it. Uh, you know, it's funny on my chat that I do on our website, people are asking me, you know, if Ohio State gets ahead of Michigan State, wouldn't you be tempted to just put him on the sideline and uh, save him for Michigan, you know, or, you know, maybe play him a few carries against Minnesota next week and, and get him ready for Michigan, given how injury-prone he's been. And, and I say, you know, it's a delicate balance when you look at that because you got to win these games. You know, do you care about the rankings? Do you need 
to win them convincingly to stay number one, you care about that, or you put him in bubble wrap and uh, ship him off to Ann Arbor <laughs> in a couple of weeks and, and hope that uh, he stays healthy between now and then. It's a tough one for Coach, but my goodness, they've got a long list of guys now who are nursing injuries. Emeka Buka came back from his injury, missed a couple games. Denzel Burke is still out. We're getting indications that the safety Lathan Ransom could be done for the year. So, uh, yeah, a lot of guys kind of going by the wayside here as the weeks, uh, you know, the, the, the leaves on the trees are now uh, brown and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's getting cold outside. So it's uh, getting to be winning time, it looks like. No question about it. Steve, what about McCord and his ankle? I saw, I think it was the first series in the game on Saturday uh, when they went three and out, I think it was. He came off, he looked like he was limping a little bit, but obviously he stayed in and played. How dinged up is he? Well, that's a good question. I mean, obviously he left the Wisconsin game with his left foot in a boot. It really didn't come up a whole lot last week. I think people uh, were concerned. You know, the offense didn't perform well in the first half, had six possessions and one touchdown and really didn't sustain many drives in the first half. But the game, they were outgained by Rutgers. And I don't think anybody would have figured that going into the game. Uh, They definitely picked it up in the second half. And uh, he played much better, obviously. uh, Had three touchdown passes he ended up with. So, you know, I look at it that, uh, again, it is November. Everybody's dealing with something. And it's important that the offensive line, JT touched on them a minute ago, uh, with that question about Henderson, uh, they're playing pretty good football. They're they're running the football pretty well. They've been protecting McCord pretty well, and that's going to be the most important factor probably to keep this offense humming down the stretch is make sure that uh, you put him in a position to succeed as a quarterback. Was it Josh Proctor that got knocked out of that game? And if so, was it a concussion? They never really said. Yeah, it seems like he knocked himself out on that big hit on the Rutgers running back to uh, cause the interception. Jordan Hancock returned the interception 93 yards for a touchdown. Uh, It was uh, Proctor who went to the bench. Proctor had a big game. He Mm -hmm. had a couple of stops down near the goal line that uh, forced a field goal for uh, Rutgers. If you figure he took seven points away on the interception because Rutgers was inside the 20-yard line going in to score – a touchdown, and then, I mean, and that would have made it a double-digit lead for Rutgers at that point, or I'm sorry, it would have made it, and uh, goodness, I can't add this track, it would have made it a nine-point lead for Rutgers. I, <laughs> the math was not my not my uh, strong suit in school. It would have gone from nine to seven to 16 to seven had they scored on that first possession there of the second half, and instead, Ohio State gets seven points on that play and takes the lead. Uh, for good. So he was worth 18 points in that game in terms of the plays that he made on the goal line, causing the interception and the interception return. So uh, he was a big factor in that game and they desperately need him. If Ransom isn't going to play, you're down to your third, fourth safeties going forward. How bad is Michigan State, Steve Hellwagon? <laughs> well, that's <a> <laughs> that tells it all right there. <laughs> they, uh, you know, they started the season 2-0, and and then the school suspended Mel Tucker, and I think it took all the wind out of their sails. They went out that week and lost to Washington 41-7. to I think the players felt that they'd been undercut by the administration, and they laid down. They played Michigan uh, a few weeks later at home, 49 to nothing. They laid down. 
they did play Rutgers tough, lost to them 27-24. Rutgers had to come back in to win that game on the road at Rutgers. And then this past week, here's Nebraska. Five wins, tied for first in the Big Ten West, playing to get to a bowl game, playing to you know, stay in first place in the West. And Michigan State somehow found a way to beat them 20-17 to at home. And now they're coming down to Ohio State with nothing to lose, three right. and six. They have to win out to get to a bowl game. Two of the three games are Ohio State and Penn State. So I think they could pretty much forget about any uh, any bowl swag for the Spartans this year. But, uh, you know, they're going to come down. Uh, they've got a decent enough defense. Their offense is ranked well into the hundreds, both scoring. I think they're last in the Big Ten. They're last in the Big Ten in scoring in a league that has Iowa. So <laughs> right. that's, that's hard to do. <laughs> How do you get under Iowa? So, uh they, they did it this year, but, uh, yeah, Ohio State's got to go out and take care of it. Again, like Ryan Day says a lot of times, you know, a lot of these games are about Ohio State. This is how they approach their business, attack their business, and, uh, you know, that's what you – if you're watching this with a discerning eye, you want to see them play. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say perfect, but, you know, you want to see them play great football. I mean, Michigan dismantled them 49 to nothing. Never gave them – I think it was 28 nothing at halftime. Never gave them – you know, a chance to breathe. And that's what you want to see out of Ohio State. Steve Hellwagon, our guest, Buckeyes beat reporter, bucknuts.com. Follow him on Twitter at Steve Hellwagon. Steve, we're expecting a blowout. So that would mean the backup quarterback would get some playing time, which is important, right? You need that quarterback to have some experience because the current backup, Devin Brown, is still out. So who would be number two on the depth chart that would come in when Kyle McCord takes a seat? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Coach Day on uh, Tuesday did say that they are hoping that Devin Brown can practice this week. They said he would have been available in an emergency, actually, last Saturday, but they're glad that they didn't have to put him out on the field and put him in harm's way as he comes back from a high ankle sprain uh, that he suffered there on the goal line a few weeks ago. So, uh, to me, um, I think that uh, it would be nice if he got a series or two, but you got a couple of guys who uh, have not really played with uh, the true freshman, Lincoln Keenholz. He can play up to four games and still redshirt. would be nice to get his feet wet. And then Tristan Gebbia is a veteran guy they brought in from Oregon State. It would also be nice to get him an Ohio State debut either this week or next week against Minnesota if it worked out, just in case, just in the very off-off chance that something doesn't check out with Brown something happens to McCord, then, you know, you've got other guys who've at least taken a snap in a live game before they'd be out there under the gun, you know, against Michigan or in a Big Ten championship game or whatever it might be down the line. So uh, I think that will be interesting to track. You know, how soon can you get McCord and the starters out? Are they up 35 in the third quarter? Then get them out, you know, that type thing. But, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, Coach Day's going to do what's best for his team. That's what he always seems to fall back on is what's best for the player, what's best for the team in those situations, and, and they take care of themselves a lot of times. Steve, what's the buzz in CBUS? Are they more excited about being number one on the CFP or what's going on with that team up north? Well, the Michigan thing just dominates all discussion, and it's mm. been a story that just won't stop with all the little drips and drabs that have come out about it and uh, you know, are going to continue to come out about that. I think Ohio State fans are cautiously optimistic about the number one ranking. I think 
you know, again, I test. If you watch Ohio State play and they struggle for a half against Rutgers, they definitely didn't look like the number one team. But then they dominate Rutgers in the second half on the road, 28-7. to And you say, well, yeah, they could be in the discussion for number one team. But it's a 60-minute game. And, and you know, what, what I've noticed just watching this team play is, you know, Notre Dame, uh, some of these other games, Penn State, as it wears into the second half, Ohio State just finds a way inevitably to wear these teams down. And uh, physicality, however you want to put it, uh, they just find a way. And uh, they just keep grinding and keep grinding. And uh, they never, you know, they never seem to wilt in these tough mm-hmm. situations. And, and, and they find a way to overcome it. So uh, they got three more weeks of that in the regular season of grinding it out. Uh, you'd like to see it look a little bit better than it did in the first half, obviously, last week. But, uh, again, the final result's all that matters. I mean, when the results were published on, you know, Saturday night, all five of the Power Five teams that were undefeated stayed undefeated, and Ohio State was as impressive as any of them on the scoreline, you know, with the way it all turned out. But, uh, you know, getting from point A to point B is an adventure with these guys sometimes. Steve, as I look at this uh, story from Ann Arbor, right, uh, I don't expect the NCAA to do anything until the end of the season. And I think that's why you had the ADs, the coaches, pressuring the commissioner of the Big Ten to do something because it sounds like they want something to be done this year to the point where Michigan isn't eligible to play in the Big Ten championship game or challenge for a national championship. Uh, am I accurate in reading those guys that way? I think you're definitely you know, onto something there because – the fact is they cheated this year. They should be penalized this year. Right. And, uh, you know, we've seen data to where they were scouting eight different Ohio State teams in person was the plan. So they had a systemic scheme in place to cheat the system. The integrity of the games was compromised. And, you know, people are like, well, don't penalize the kids. You know, those kids have worked really hard. They have a great football team. I don't deny that. You know, J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corm. All the guys they have on defense, you know, wonderful football team. You know, even without the help, they'd probably still be 8-1, and 9-0, whatever their record would be. You know, the issue is, okay, what about the players, the coaches, the coaches' families of all the teams that they've played the last mm-hmm. two or three years? Yeah. You know, they're the victims in this whole scheme, elaborate scheme to cheat people out of wins. You had people lose their jobs because they lost games to Michigan. Good people didn't get to go bowl games because they lost to Michigan, you know, and so on and so forth. So Big Ten championships, two of them perhaps that were compromised. So I don't think that there's anything that the Big Ten commissioner can do that's off the table. He could suspend Harbaugh and rule them out of the Big Ten championship this year, and I don't think anybody could really find fault in that in the, in the, in the final story based on the overwhelming amount of evidence. That's been presented. Some of it's circumstantial. Some of it, you know, I had a friend who was a cop. He said, if you go down the road at 80 miles per hour and the, uh, the, the radar says 80 MPH and they get a screenshot of that, <laughs> you're busted. <laughs> you know, that's it. If we have what we have on Michigan, they're busted. You know, to me, it's just prima facie, as they said in Latin class. <laughs> so... You know, it's on the face of it. You're you're done. So uh, I don't know. That that to me is where things are at. You know, if the commissioner Does doesn't the... take him out of the Big Ten championship, it's not enough. 
Yeah, does the first-year commissioner have the cojones to do that, though, in his very first year? He's got to have the backing of the presidents. The other presidents need to be behind him. Anything at that level that he would attempt to do has to be signed off on by a committee of the presidents or their designees. You know, they have to have some oversight on something drastic like that. And he can, that goes just beyond just a normal, you know, one or two game suspension or something has got to be cleared by, you know, a presidential oversight committee. And I would think that, you know, the coaches and athletic directors have told their president that we were cheated and something needs to be done. So hopefully they'll, they'll get it together and get it figured out sooner rather than later. How about this angle already under investigation for recruiting violations. He was suspended for the first three games of the season, Coach Harbaugh. And I'm wondering if the Big Ten takes into consideration that they're already being investigated, and might that make them want to go ahead and suspend the coach, if not take further measures? Because we have no idea what the NCAA is going to do, or whether or not they'll look at one or two incidents. And if they hand down any decision, it's probably going to be after the season, don't you think? Yeah, I don't imagine the NCAA is going to take any action, you know, this week or anything, just because, you know, everything with them happens at a snail's pace. And, uh, you know, it's like, like one of those PGA golfers. They want to study that putt from 12 <laughs> different angles before they step over it and step away from it. Again. Rightfully so. But, mm-hmm. yeah. But, you know, I, I think that, uh, again, it, 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 to me, uh, the commissioner, uh, you know, he's within his rights take this under advisement and look at, you know, Michigan's program with Bo Schimbeckler built on integrity. And, uh, you know, now they're a repeat offender in terms of trying to cut corners. And I think that that has to be taken into some type of consideration. You know, what, what do you stand for? And, uh, you know, if the Big Ten stands for anything, they got to take action against Michigan. That's just the way I look at it. Steve Hellwag and our guest, Buckeyes Beat Reporter, Bucknuts.com. If you're a Buckeye fan and you have not bookmarked that page and don't read it on a regular basis, what's wrong with you people? Check it out. You get great stuff, <laughs> video, audio, statistical breakdown, the game day data page, still my favorite uh, each and every week. And Steve Hellwagon and his team do a great job at Bucknuts.com and follow him on Twitter as well, uh, at Steve Hellwagon. All right, so so what's your um, what's your gut telling you before we move on real quick to the basketball team with a couple of questions? What's your gut telling you on what this commissioner uh, will do, and if he does do something, how soon would we find out, Steve Hellwagen? Well, it sounds like they sent Michigan a letter this week, and Michigan, I believe, had until the end of business today to maybe answer whatever questions that Tony Petiti, the first-year commissioner, may have sent them to explain their actions you know, showed them the evidence that the NCAA and uh, the media have reported and asked them probably for a simple explanation. How do you reconcile this? What was the point of this? Who knew about this? How deep did this go? I mean, there are videos of him on the sideline basically telling each coordinator, offense and defense, where the ball's headed, you know, five seconds before the ball is snapped. That information is valuable. If you can commit 11 men, to go yeah. tackle the running back and not worry about being in pass coverage, <laughs> right. then you've got a pretty good advantage. You know, I think that that's pretty good, pretty good help. So, to me, uh, Michigan's got some very difficult and tough questions that they need to answer. For the commissioner, and based on the answers to the questions, I think he's going to come back in a day or two with a finding. It could be anywhere from suspending Jim Harbaugh 
for one, two, three games or ruling them ineligible or anything above, beyond, or in between. You know, again, to me, I, I just look at it dispassionately, I would be disappointed if there's anything other than ruling them eligible uh, for this season. They may then try to take the Big Ten to court to get an injunction against that, which if it's in a Michigan court, maybe they find a sympathetic ear it's in a federal court. Who knows? You know, you just you just don't know. So that it, it's probably headed uh, to, to the legal system at some point, even though Michigan is part of the Big Ten, signed on to the rules, the regulations that give the commissioner uh, this, uh, this power, and moreover, any idea that they're going to take their ball and go home and <laughs> shop themselves to the SEC or the ACC seems like nonsense because, uh, you know, they have long-term contractual obligations right. to the Big Ten Conference. So they can talk all they want, but I don't think they're going anywhere. All right, Steve, uh, the basketball team barely got a victory over Oakland uh, out of uh, Detroit. Um, uh, I don't know, did did you have to cover it? Do you cover every game? Were you there? What did you see if you were at the game? And what's the prognosis for the basketball team this year for the men? Yes, I was there. It was like Ryan Day was coaching the, the basketball team. <laughs> Terrible first half and a great finish. Uh, they, they really came on down the stretch, and uh, the guys, who they're relying on, uh, which are Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale, the two sophomore guards, Zed Key, the senior, who's played a, a post position, the center. Those three guys all had 17 points in the game, most of them in the second half, as they kind of pulled away at the end and hit some clutch shots and beat Oakland. Oakland uh, came in, played a great zone defense against Ohio State, and also shot lights out. They hit 40% of their three-pointers. So Ohio State's got to work on their zone offense, attacking the zone, and also closing out on the shooters and not allowing such a heavy percentage. And they don't have much time to to get it figured out because Friday night, the 15th-ranked team in the country, Texas A&M, coached by Buzz Williams, is coming to town. And, uh, you know, that's a team that some people think, you know, could make a push deep into the tournament uh, this season and be a contender in the SEC. Uh, They're coming to town Friday night. It's on the Peacock streaming platform, 7 p.m., and, uh, you know, I think Ohio State's open for a big crowd with obviously the Michigan State football game on Saturday, make a big weekend of it, and see uh, two uh, two games, the basketball and the football back-to-back is, is their hope. But, yeah, you know, they won the game. I mean, two years ago they needed a tip-in and the buzzer to beat Akron, and that team still went on to the NCAA tournament, you know. So from such a meager beginning, you can still uh, get to a good spot but uh, got to play much better than that. And the women I saw lost uh, to, to USC, and they're expecting big things from the, the yeah. Lady Buckeyes, aren't they? Yeah, they were preseason top ten team. Uh, went out to Las Vegas, lost to USC. USC has an outstanding freshman who uh, went for over 30 points in the game, one of the top prospects in the country, I guess. She uh, was everything as good as she was uh, supposed to be, I think. Uh, it was... Uh, uh, J.C. Sheldon, I think, had 20 or 25 points uh, for Ohio State, so she started off the season on a high note. But uh, Buckeyes lost that game on uh, Monday. They're back home this weekend uh, for Game Two, and uh, obviously uh, want to regroup. And uh, just you know, they maybe missed uh, Taylor Mikesell, their outstanding three-point shooter, who uh, moved on uh, to the pros after last season and uh, missed her. She's not there anymore. Cody McMahon. That great freshman year did not play well in the opening game, and 
she's somebody that they are really counting on, a potential All-American, but uh, I don't even think she was in double figures in the opener. All right, so there's a little bit of everything for you, and that's what you get when you go to bucknuts.com <laughs> when it comes to Ohio Jim, State. JD, you guys know that. We're full service. You are, baby, and that's why uh, we've been friends for many, many years. Uh, but also uh, the reason we love having you on is because it is chock full of information if you're a Buckeye fan at bucknuts.com with everything. Steve, great stuff as always. Uh, enjoy the home game uh, this uh, Saturday night, and we'll talk to you again next week, all right? All right, guys, take care.